0: California archery events, and what it takes to make you a better archer. Good morning! How are you guys doing? It is Wednesday. I'm cutting a podcast one day early for you guys. Um, I'm also doing it for me, uh, just because it's kind of rainy outside practice was a little cold and a little wet today just like your mom's but uh yeah uh also I was getting a ton of questions this week on just this like just so you guys know the way I do this podcast is I try to write everything out that I'm gonna say I write it out on a on a notepad and um I I you know as I'm practicing I'll come across things like oh maybe I want to share this or oh hey this is kind of interesting and I'll write it down uh or I'll you know if I if I think of anything um either when I'm working or driving home I'll I'll jot it down in this notepad and uh it's like I had everything written down and then people started asking me it's almost like they could see my notepad <laughs> People were asking me all these questions, so I tried to um, help everyone out by posting a video I made for my friend Tim on uh, on my Facebook page, the Archery Unfiltered Facebook page, about how I set up my hamsky hamskia uh, arrow rest. Um, but uh, I'll get into all that in a little bit. Uh, that that video I thought would help people out, and maybe wouldn't have to message me. But I think maybe also that video might have created more questions than answers. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, You guys can check it out if you want. Um, But first, I feel the need. I feel compelled to tell you guys that the Spot Archery put up their flyer for their indoor 600 shootout. It is January 8th. So, the first event is going to be the Spot. It's a $100 entrance fee, 80% payout, two 300 rounds Highest four score shoot off for money. Yowza! <laughs> this is new. I remember last time. I think they did a shoot up. <laughs> um, highest four score shoot off for money. That means if you're not in the top four, you don't get money. Oh, how uh, how heart heart what heart racking? I don't know. Um, but man. That's gonna be that's gonna be a quick event. That's gonna be uh, you know everyone can hammer out two three hundred rounds, and then those who didn't make it can start packing it up. Oh boy, <sighs> that's gonna be interesting. Uh, those shoot offs, those those big shoot offs, highest four scores shoot off. It's gonna be like I wonder if it's gonna be like a Vegas style shoot off or what. Oh man, that's gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna have to start practicing harder, but. Oh, I have been practicing. Have you guys been practicing? I know it's the holidays. I know it's difficult to get your time out there, but um, I have had this really great practice routine that I've been doing. Where you know, I wake up at you know four fifty, five o'clock. Uh, I stumble down the stairs, and I will shoot two three hundred round games, and then after those three hundred rounds are gone. I do uh, a a little endurance game where it'll either be uh, tens or X's. Uh, It's been X's lately where I'll say, okay, it depends on how bad you want to shoot. If you want to shoot all day, you could call it tens or, you know, whatever is relative to your score, all right? And so um, I've just been so tired that I'm like, ugh. We'll call it X's. You know, the second I miss an X, I'm done shooting. And I'll see how long I can go shooting X's. Or, you know, if it's a day that I'm loving, you know, I'm just loving life, I'm like, oh, you know, 10s are nothing. And if I shoot a 9, then it'll it'll be the thing that, okay, you can go home now. You can pack it up and get ready for work. Um, But I find that the X, you know, shooting for X's is the thing that is like the perfect balance of, you know, keep me there for... A, you know an amount of time that I can put the effort in um so it's another something for you guys it's like when you're done practicing and you're like oh I don't want to shoot anymore I know that there are mental management books that are like only shoot when you want to shoot like only shoot because you're having fun shooting um but in I remember like old Asian philosophy would say play that piano even when you don't want to fucking play it and uh You know, uh, that's how I was raised. So, um, I'll shoot the 300 games and it's cold, it's rainy. And I, I'm like, I just want to go inside and get warm for like 10 minutes or 20 minutes before I can go to work. Um, but the Asian in me is like, no, you keep practicing, you keep playing that piano. And when you're done, reward yourself with some math homework. And that's what I've been doing. Um, It's been X Games uh, after my 300s. How long can I go shooting Xs? Um, Today was not very long. (laughs) So that's why I'm able to cut a podcast early, early in the morning. It is currently... Oh, it just turned six. So I've been shooting for like an hour. It's not uh, not too late or too early. It's kind of like a sweet spot. But anyway... Getting a lot of questions about the Hamskia versus the Blade. Uh, This last couple weeks, uh, two weeks maybe, I switched over to a Freak Show rest just to see. Just to see because, you know, my my buddy Austin shoots a Blade. He shoots it amazing. um, And I think I've kind of figured out what the deal is with the Blade versus the Hamskia and how it ties into your arrow builds. And early on, I was saying like the way your arrows built, it's all based on your shooting style, and it's something that Chris Perkins said on his Instagram, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Uh, I think it has it's more to do with your arrow rest setup. Is what kind of arrow your bow's gonna like? I mean, I'm. Sure, your style plays into it a little bit, and your draw length i like I think Tim Gillingham is gonna shoot a different arrow than me, you know, or um like yeah Sasquatch is just gonna shoot a different arrow than uh <clears throat> a little troll doll, you know um, so anyway, that's what I've kind of figured out. I threw my blade on, and right away, I noticed. This blade is way less forgiving. And so I thought, well, let's not blame the blade. All right? Because I've shot a blade in the past and had perfectly fine results with it. So I started tinkering around with the blade, got my blade angle nice. Uh, I like to run it low. I've always run it low because it makes a 10 blade act like something in between uh, an 8 and a 10. Like the lower you run it, the softer it is. Um. Now, if you run it too low, you can run into all kinds of problems. So you got to be, you got to pick and choose here, uh, like how you're going to do it. Because too low, you'll get like wacky vein contact. It'll launch the back of your arrow up, all kinds of shit. Um, the first thing I did is I threw it on torque tuned, and really liked how good I can torque tune with a freak show. Uh, the the blade is like long, and so you can move your rest, you know, forward and back. And the long blade combined with the long like channel that they give you to it to torque tune, it gives you like a lot of room forward and back to figure out where your sweet spot is. <clears throat> um, so I found it, and one thing I noticed is that bad shots—if I make bad shots or or cut a shot that maybe had a little too much torque in it one way or another—you could hear it on the blade. Like the blade would kind of tell you. It kind of go ping versus. Uh, uh, really good shots were like dead silent. I want to say they were quieter than the hammy at first, (sighs) but you know, then you kind of settle into your groove and maybe your groove is like 30% torque. And then, you know, you're getting like a slight ping on all the shots, but, um, I didn't. So the first thing I noticed after it was all set up. Oh, and okay. I don't, I don't, it's, I shoot in the morning, right? Wife and baby are sleeping upstairs. When I used to shoot at night, I could do... You know, I could make some noise. So, I have a paper tuning rack in my garage. And I just haven't been using it because it's like the second I send one arrow into this... Into the the bale I have downstairs, uh, it's going to shake... You know, it's going to sound like a a loud boom and the baby's going to wake up. So, what I did this time, you know, for tuning this blade was a bear shaft tune. This Matthews G2... Is the only bow besides an Elite that I've gotten to bear shaft tune. And I credit it to two things. One is running my back bar out, like kicked way out. And the other thing is having wrapped my grip so that it's super thick. Um, I've never been able to bear shaft tune any other bow, including my other Matthews bow. um, Because I always ran side plates or nothing on the grip so that it was very narrow. And I think the way my hand is shaped... And I would argue most of your hands are shaped. That get um, like left tears or right bear shafts. Um, The torque is not from your form. The torque is actually from your hand. I mean, yeah, some of that's your form also. But if your grip is wider, your hand, like the finger pad that is right before your first knuckle, um, doesn't have so much influence, press like, you know, clockwise torque on your bow. So <clears throat> my grip is, is wide. I know some people that have felt my bow, been like, man, that, that's a really meaty grip there. <sighs> it's a really thick and juicy grip. And, uh, it is, it's the, the way I have it on my Matthews bow. It's the original rubber grip that it comes with. And then I wrapped lizard skin, um, bicycle, it's bicycle grip tape. But yeah, it's Lizard Skin. It's not Bomar. It's not, it's not some cheesy ass, give me your $8 um, grip on there. And I think Perkins runs this Lizard scrims, lizard Skin stuff too. I think that's why I did it. I think I was just copying him. Um, I used to have it on my bicycles back when I used to be fit and cared about um, exercise. So there's that. And then the back bar being kicked out is the two things that have made my bear shafts very easy. It's like, it's close. So I just have to nudge my blade over here and there to get it to bear shaft tune. Um, So I wanted to try two things. The first one was a low bear shaft, right? Uh, and I think the legend is you want like your bear shaft to hit a half inch high at 20 yards. I think. if Unless you wrap um like electrical tape on the back of it. So, Oh man, I'm like hearing movement outside my house. I hope it's raccoons and not, not the feds. But anyway, <clears throat> if you wrap some electric, electrical tape on the back of your arrow, you have to weigh it out so that it's the equivalent of three veins or four veins or whatever, you know, so that the weight's the same and then you can shoot it right for the middle. I didn't do that. So I just ballparked it. and uh, but first, before I ballparked it to an inch high, I tried doing it like four inches low because Austin Watts runs his setup so that he shoots um, a knock-high tear. <laughs> he claims to do this so that he gets vein clearance on his bow so that his veins don't touch his blade. I don't know how much of that is what Austin just thinks and uh, you know, it gives him confidence and how much of that is actually real. Uh, I don't think that's happening personally, but he's shooting amazing scores. So, you know, maybe I can't really say I have to film it at like a high speed, get a high speed camera and film it. But, um, yeah, I wanted to try his setup out and man, it did not work for me. And I don't know, my theory is that the knock-high terror for Austin works really good with his style of shooting, so that maybe he, you know, maybe his pin float is towards the 12, it's like X to 12, X to 12, or uh, X to 12 o'clock 10, you know, so that that high terror can, will drive him either middle X all the time or low X. I don't know, I'm just speculating, okay? I'm sure Austin will be like, mm, he's listening to this, shaking his head, saying, oh, come on, Wendell, you're all wrong here. Um, but I tried it, and what I got was a very unforgiving, low-missing arrow. Right? Um, everything else was good. Right? Like uh, Tall Xs broke and landed in the tall X. Left and right Xs landed left and right X. Low Xs landed like... Th- nine o'clock out so or i'm sorry not nine o'clock out six o'clock in the nine ring out so i was like interesting let me get rid of that low you know a low tear or i'm sorry a knock high tear is essentially a low bear shaft so i started bringing the the bear shaft up until i started getting i was starting to get weird you know, a little weird results because I was running my blade angle too shallow. And, and this is what I was talking about earlier. If your blade angle is too shallow, the back of that air, the air will do some weird shit off of your rest. It won't just, you know, glide right over it. So I had to lower it, change the blade angle pit, you know, the pitch and all that shit. Basically, um, I was able to get it so that it was maybe a half inch above. And, um, and then they were shooting great. I mean, I was able to shoot out a bunch of 300s. Um, but I was noticing my X count was not as good. Uh, and, and not by a little bit. Like I was getting anywhere from 3 to 6 Xs less than I would on a, on a regular 300 game. And so I was kind of thinking like, man, what could it be? What could it be? And then it hit me um, that I was getting very, very light vein contact on my blade, right? I powder tested it. I I've, I used um, my developer spray and sprayed my blade and, and saw that, oh man, I'm getting like just a little bit of vein contact. Um, It's like the right vein was getting this like swoosh effect off of the right corner of my blade. And I remember like uh, the guy that taught me uh, to shoot, he would always shoot a standard blade indoors. And I remember doing that and under pressure being really like freaked out about that thing falling, your, your arrow falling off. So I uh, I remember once I went to a wide blade, I was like, oh, I'm never going back. So, you know, I did some fancy rotating of the arrow to k- kind of get it so that it wouldn't make too much of a, you know, swoosh on the blade and get minimal contact. But what I was finding was I was starting to run it so that that, vein was getting too close to my cables and uh, you know at one point I ended up getting so close to the cables that I think I might have gotten cable contact Uh, which is strange I don't know it's super weird so how do you get I remember shooting back in the day and a little bit of vein contact on your blade didn't mean a damn thing Uh, what was different back then I shot a heavier point weight and I started thinking man a two fifty grain point will nullify this, and uh, I gave it a try. You know, I have a couple arrows laying around, Um, and bam, there it was. There you have it. A two fifty grain point will absolutely nullify a tiny amount of um, vein contact on your blade. And then I I think back to the Greg Pool video where he's shooting an arrow upside down, and he's like, blah, 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 it doesn't make any difference. And, uh, yeah, dude, cuz you're shooting heavy points. Like there's all these little details that are totally left out and they are misleading when people say do it this way and and that you, you know in your mind you're like okay, I'll do it this way cuz this guy does it. Uh but they never tell you why. And a heavy point, yeah, it will drag that arrow right over that blade. It doesn't matter how you're running that. Well, that might not be true. See, I might be misleading you now. But a heavy point yeah and, and that's my buddy Austin he's running a 250 point right it makes perfect sense um with that being said so with a 150 point you can see it and it's not enough to like really kick you out like i said earlier i was shooting 300 games it was just my x count was not as good it was three on any game it would be 3 to 6 x's less than what i normally shoot normally would have been shooting so you know people that follow this show i've led you down this path now of building a light arrow and i feel obligated to tell you guys that if you're shooting a blade i may have led you astray you might have to throw some point weight on there to nullify that vein contact how much will you need? I don't know. A 250 is what worked for me. Right? And 250 seems to be a very popular point weight amongst pros and good shooters everywhere. Right? If you have a Hamski drop-away or some kind of limb-driven drop-away thing, you're going to be okay with a 150 point. Uh, I should also say, I sh- you know, I should clarify that that's for most people. Uh, My buddy, Alan, is very clear and very direct with me when he calls me and says, your shit is not working for me, so I didn't do it. And if that works, you know, if that happens with you and you find out that what I'm telling you doesn't work, so you try something else and something else works, I'm all for that. I think, um, you know, archery, for me, the thing that I hate when people say for me, for me, uh, this sport is not, um, this is a, a results driven game. I think compound archery is results driven and you know, this whole thing where like your form should look like this. And if your form doesn't look like this or your follow through doesn't look like this when that arrow hits, then it's a bad shot in mean, who cares. It, just put them in the X. If you got to do it, standing on your hands, do it. Um, just don't bump anyone on the line. But yeah, you know, if I if you guys listen to this and you're like, "Hey, Wendell, you're dead wrong." All I have to say is well, that's just your opinion, man. All right? Uh so with my testing, okay, so I'm I'm testing the the blade still, and I was telling you guys I was going to run it for the 450. I was str- I was putting down like 20 x 300s pretty consistently, and I'm like, "What? Ha- like why this versus, you know, I don't I don't want to put a bunch of weight back in all my arrows because I really enjoy the speed. Like I'm, I'm getting a lot of forgiveness out of the speed, or at least I was when I had my drop away on it. So I just took the blade off and I put the ham ski back on, Hamskia back on, my my limb driven drop away back on, and instantly, inst- like it was an immediate jump in X's. So when I say three to six X's, I tell you this because I compare them back to back. 26X game was my first, my first 300 with the hamski back on. And it was like forgiving arrows landed middle. There was no unexplained, you know, unexplained, you know, I I could call where the arrows land. When the shot breaks, I can tell you exactly where that arrow is going to be. So, you know, that's where the forgiving and the forgiveness ends too, because if I have a hiccup and break a shot outside, it's gonna land outside. <laughs> but uh yeah, in my res, you know, in my testing what I found was a, so I started the ham scale with a slight right tear, okay? When I was shooting with Austin, um about two weeks ago, we did battle with a three hundred and he beat me. His twenty I believe his twenty eight X beat my twenty six X three hundred. Um and he won. We're, we uh, commonly shoot off for a belt buckle now. Um, so I checked my, my shit through paper. And I actually had a slight right tear. And then I adjusted it to a bullet hole. And then just the hamski. Like whatever it was. Having the perfect bullet hole wasn't really wasn't really doing it for me. So that's why I went and tried out the blade. When I put my hamsky uh, back on. I thought why not bear shaft tune with this because i can if this bow is bear shaft tuning why not do it with this one also with this arrow rest also so i did and i actually had to make some adjustments to it like from where it was a couple weeks prior um got the bear shaft hitting you know as they say it should and god damn this thing is shooting phenomenally and i think a a Perfect bear shaft beats the slight right tear. Um, yeah, maybe what I'm saying doesn't make sense or maybe it's over everyone's head because it's early and I'm, I haven't had coffee yet. But shooting a slight right tear, I really enjoyed. And I didn't know it was a slight right tear. I thought it was a bullet hole. All right. But, um, you know, because things slightly change over time. I had set my bow up and now it's just like, I'm not touching it anymore. This is it. So whatever I had set up migrated to a slight right tear. And that was better. That shot better for me than the bullet hole. But the bear shaft shot better for me uh, than the slight right tear. So I would imagine a bear shaft is going to be somewhat of a bullet hole, but maybe it'll be cleaner. I can't say for sure. I don't know. Uh, Too scared to check, to be honest. Uh, In this last week... That's what I was messing around with. I also was messing around with my back bar angle a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, you know, I just got done telling you guys, I'm not tweaking on my bow very much. And this is like the most of it. Um, the back bar, I'm trying to distill it to be simple for everyone. Um, I'm trying to take something that's, you know, somewhat complicated and what's the word subjective? You know, it's it's kind of like whatever the definition is your own for the function of the back bar. But basically, what I found is the balance of your bow is going to be t- dependent on the weight that you put on that back bar. The torque, the ability to cancel out bear shaft or wacky left tears, right tears can be fixed just ver- just by the in and out angle of that back bar um and then your consistent grip pressure can come from up and down so uh one thing that i think really good archers are one thing that they know about their gear their, their very own gear is they can identify what is going on with their shot is their balance off is their I mean, I don't want to get everyone down a bear shaft rabbit hole. All right. We don't have to do bear shaft tuning right now, okay, for you guys. But you can reduce a bear shaft. Don't swing your bar way fucking out there and then be like, well, I can't shoot it anymore. Because there is a limit to everything, you know? Like, if you swing your bar way out there, you're going to have to put, like, rotational torque into your hand. Or you're going to have to take weight off of that back bar to sit comfortably like it was before if you're running it further out. There there's limits to everything, basically. All three of these things affect your hold. In my opinion, the balance, i.e., the weight that you put on there and number 3, the up and down angle of that back bar are the two things that affect your hold the most. And I played with my back bar up and down in the back for, you know, feeling what it will do to my grip basically and um noticed that it changes my hold quite a bit. Uh as I was lowering the that bar I was doing more 12 to 6 up and down, right? So I kind of I kind of brought it back up and I mean the results were still good. I it wasn't so up and down that I you know it was like throwing shots way at the top or bottom. I just noticed your my pin float changed. So it's just something for you guys to think about. It, you know, one thing that I want you guys to all do is know how to identify your own problems and nullify them. And part of that is knowing your gear and understanding your gear and being able to work on it. And it's like you're, you're especially there's one thing that I love about indoor. Is that you have? You guys are going to hear me say that a lot. There's one thing I love about indoor, and I'm going to say something that I never said before. (laughs) Um, One thing that I love about indoor is that there's plenty of time to shoot and be like, "Hmm, why did that feel bad? Why did that shot feel funny?" And if you don't, if the answer doesn't come to you, you can just keep shooting, and it'll come to you. It's not like you know, you're gonna make one bad shot, and then that one bad shot's never gonna rear its head again. Like we're we're habitual creatures, you know. We're you're gonna make the same mistake basically if you're putting down the volume, you're shooting the exact same target. You know, it's not the the angle of this target doesn't change. It's not gonna become uphill all of a sudden. It's not gonna jump. You know, it's not gonna run out to fifty yards and wait for you there. It's the exact same shot. <clears throat> so when you make a mistake, you should be able to figure out why. And if you don't, you still have opportunities to figure out why is basically what I'm getting at. I think I'm just saying the same thing just in a very long, ver- you know, very long way. So, you know, I want you guys to work on your gear, know how to work on your gear. And the thing I'm going to try to do on this show is break down what every little thing does. Um, and again, I'm going to try to take something that's subjective and make it, or is that the right word? I'm going to try to take something that is different for everyone and try to make broad, you know, things that apply to everyone, give everything definitions so that you guys can figure out, you know, when you're shooting yourself, oh yeah, Wendell said, you know, this changes your grip pressure. I'll, I can adjust this, you know, or this is your balance. So the back bars. is... Is big. It's it's a crucial thing. I I like messing around with the back bar. Uh, at this point, I am done adjusting my own gear, and it's just shooting for me. Um, but there is always going to be something that I am going to tinker with here or there, and I'll definitely share it with you guys. And if you guys have any questions about tinkering with a certain aspect of your bow, feel free to shoot them over, and I'll tell you what I because I've tinkered with everything, and I mean
1: everything
0: on a bow. Um, I think it's what happens when you, you know, used to be, you know, in your younger days, you used to dabble with drugs that would make you take things apart. <laughs> but, uh, now, you know, as a sober guy, I think that part of my brain is still, uh, you know, wired to mess with things. Uh, so yeah, a uh, back bar angle. Remember it, it serves, you know, as far as the archery unfiltered definition of the back bar, it serves three functions, balanced torque and grip engagement. And uh, I hope that that definition helps you. Um, you know, I really want to see you guys. I, I can't stress how important it is to figure out why you, why I'm not going to say miss, but I, you know, when you break a shot and it make gives you like lemon face afterwards, you know, when you break a shot and you're like, ugh, what was that?" Uh, that's the stuff we're trying to limit. You know what I mean? So, why did you do it? Let's figure out why. And that's one thing that I do all the time in practice. If I break a shot that did not feel good, or it made me go like, "Fuck, why?" <clears throat> you know, the, uh, of course, there's sometimes where it's just going to be you. You know, but a good archer is going to identify that was just me that was not my gear or they're going to say mm, something felt a little funny on that one shot and it comes around every 10 or 15 shots can i foolproof my setup against this you know cuz sometimes like the the grip engagement is a good example you're maybe on your seventh end maybe it happens in your third and seventh end right this is what used to happen to me uh you notice you draw back and there's just something not right with your grip. you're not seated in there enough, you know maybe it's your bow's feeling a little pivoty, you know, um, but you take the shot anyway, and what happens is the ship breaks out the top, right The bow bounces back, and your arrow shoots out the top. Well, you know you could have if your grip was better engaged uh so that one thing you do is just let it down, reset your hand and do it, but maybe that shot comes around more often. Uh, changing that back bar angle up and down, getting your grip engagement. If it doesn't fuck your, I'm sorry, I'm just cursing way too much here already. and It's not, not even seven o'clock. If you can adjust that back bar angle up and down, and you don't mess up your pin float, you can change that grip engagement that you have in your bow hand, and that will foolproof you. If you know, if it doesn't screw your pin float up, and it's something you can live with you can shield yourself from that pivoty thing that happens on ends three and seven. And then you don't have that issue anymore. You know, it's a, will call it a bandaid. That's fine. Uh, We shoot freestyle, which is like a bow covered in band-aids. All right. Um, and then you can concentrate on what else you need to do. What else am I doing? Can I foolproof myself against it? Or is it something I need to personally work on? And, the way I see it is after your bow is fully band-aided up against all your little mini errors, really what this game becomes is a mental game. And that's the part that you have to work on yourself. I don't think any mental management program or any anything out there will solve it for you. It's going to be something that you have to work on. And it's why I tell everyone to go shoot these money shoots, all these indoor shoots. Um, Because that's what I found. The way to get your mental game through is to compete. Is to compete and feel all the emotions, get scared, get nervous, get disappointed, and then get back to practicing and pave over it. If you do that, it's kind of like, it's kind of like shooting yourself. (laughs) It's for the lack of a better analogy. It is you you that person that gets scared and maybe chokes under pressure. I'll tell you guys I don't know who's listening and who's listening to me talk a whole bunch in the past. One year in Vegas, I shot clean until my very last arrow. Uh I shot flights and I was in flight one and I was looking, I was staring at a nine hundred on my last end. And shot two X's. And my last arrow shot a nine. It's the ultimate choke. And no, no. Second, ultimate choke, that would be in championship class. All right. At the time, that was my ultimate choke. Um, I actually shot an arrow at the top. With all my friends watching, too. It was... I mean, if you want to talk about being... uh, I don't want to say humiliated, but disappointed and then disappointing all your friends as well that's definitely one way to do it you take all those emotions and you take everything that you experienced and that's you for that event right when you start practicing you effectively shoot that guy in the head and then pave over his body and now you're standing about you know seven eight inches taller than you were before you do that enough times to where you're standing on 30 or forty bodies, you're standing way taller than you were you know forty events ago. If that makes sense, it's a weird analogy, but that's what most of my show is. It's just weird analogies. So that's why I tell all these you know all you guys to get out there and shoot some money events, shoot any- like man, we got tournaments all over the Bay Area, all over California, and you know, to you non-California guys, there's tournaments where you are too. Maybe you gotta drive. Maybe they're a couple hours out, but they're they're there, you know. And if they're not there, then you're gonna have to start something. But um, at least for us, like we have tournaments, and you know, you California guys, I'm expecting to see you go to these tournaments. Uh, the guys that, I mean, look at you shoot for you. You don't shoot for me, right? But if you do a couple tournaments. And then I never see you again. <laughs> I'm not going to expect you to be shooting good. And if you ask me why is my bow not shooting good, I'm just going to make a weird face. <laughs> but remember, yeah, you're shooting for you. So let's see, the Endurance 3X. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the Endurance X practice round. Yeah, I covered that. My buddy A.B., <laughs> pretty much told me I'm full of shit. He tried a shorter back bar. I think he took his 15 inch off and went to a 12 and said his bow felt lighter. So in the context of, for the, for reasons of transparency and because I want everyone to get better, I think you guys, if you feel like your bow is too heavy with a 15 inch back bar, try a 12, see if it fixes it. Personally, I like the longer bar with less weight on it. Um, Seems to give me the slow hold, and I seem to get the benefits of having more leverage in the back without the additional weight. But I I've shot a te- the, when I shot all my good scores, I shot a ten inch back bar with a bunch of weight on it because you you know it's shorter, you can put more mass weight on it. Just slow the bow down. I'm trying to do some you know less mass weight because I'm old. My shoulders are not what they used to be. Um yeah. I think that's that's gonna be the episode for this week, guys. Uh you know, I I, I try to get ahead of all these Hamsky questions. Um but I just, you know. I guess I made it public that I was shooting the the blade and then I was gonna switch back to you know, everyone kinda knew I was gonna switch back to the Hamsky, I guess, so people started asking and then I put that video up and just made more questions. Um I'm going to run through it real quick for you guys because Kevin Wilkie helped me figure this out. I've shot the Hamskia. Oh, here's another thing. A lot of people tell me, uh, Wendell, I've tried the Hamskia. It's shit. All right. Nay. I'm going to say no. If you're getting shit results with the Hamskia, I would argue that nine out of ten times, it's where you have that cable attached to your limb. And I know this because I've attached it in the conventional spot which is at the limb tip, all right, and, um, or on the axle. I've even tied that cable to the axle. Bad, bad idea. I mean, it is limb geometry dependent, and you guys will hear me say that in that video on my Archer and Filtered page. If your limb geometry is a certain way, it's going to change the, you know, where you want your you know, your cable thing, but for target bows, they're, they're very similar in the respect that you want that cable clamp to be almost in the middle of your limb, not all the way at the back end or or towards the limb tip. And that the reason for that being is with that cable clamp further up, it makes it so that blade drops away sooner and doesn't stay up so long. I think with really long draw guys, you can get away with the, um, the cable going to the tip because you have a longer arrow and that there's more time for that thing to to drop before those veins come over. But for shorter draw guys, for most people, if you run that cable clamp up, that arrow rest drops much sooner than, uh, than running it at the tip, limb tip, which leads me to the bullshit product of the week. Hamskia, you guys fucked up by making that that what do they call it? The pillow block bracket or whatever for the Matthews Bell. That thing that goes... At, <laughs> I think they call them pillow blocks. I don't know why. I don't know the engineering term for why. But the the little things that bolt on, they're like little tiny sheet metal pieces, you know, like quarter inch by an inch or three quarter inches that sit over your limbs. Like on one side, you have the the cutouts for your bow press, and then on the other side, maybe that it's just in place of a washer, but basically hamsky makes a little bracket, which is that plus a little loop for your uh for your hamsky rope your your limb driven drop away rope. It is essentially putting your cable at the axle, which is the worst place to put it for timing. I'm fairly certain even Hamskias says that is the worst place. Like, somewhere they have a video or instruction manual to say that, you know, it should actually be further up on the limb. Yet, they still went ahead and made this goddamn part anyway. And I bought it. I spent the money and bought it. And now it gets the bullshit product of the week, title. They made this thing knowing it was not good. (laughs) Shame on you. Shame on you. But you know what? Shame on me, because I bought it. Um. The sad thing is, it's still on my bow. <laughs> I have t- too lazy to change it. Um, but maybe I'll leave it on there as a test so I can show people, like, no, this is what you not, don't do this. Don't buy this thing. Save yourself $18 and buy yourself some sandwiches and fuel yourself for shooting. So I have the, um, cable clamp. I think I use a one inch, uh, I'm sorry, limb clamp. I use, shoot a one inch limb clamp at least I think it's a one inch limb clamp and it goes up to, it, you know, the spring is on the clamp and then I have this cable that goes up directly to the hammer arm. And Kevin Wilkie showed me this in reading instead of using your, your regular, um, hammy arm, which you can, it totally works just fine. He runs the old, uh, was it the anvil? I forget. H- Hamsky had a different drop away Back in the day, it was basically what the Trinity is now, but it's an older version of it. And the arm that was on it was either called the hammer or the anvil or some kind of, I think it's the hammer. And it's a, a slightly longer arm. And what Wilkie would do is tie his cable to the very end of a bolt on the end of that, uh, that hammer. Cause there's a threaded end right on the very tip of it. And I think the reason being for that is that you don't. I mean, it's you don't need the um, that little buckle and the O ring. I've heard guys say that oh, you know that changes, and when that changes, your timing changes. And I've never used it. I've always yanked it off right away and bolted it one way or another. Um, but I think that's why he does it, so that this cable tension never changes it's always basically just loops it around and you have to loop this thing around a certain way um you have to loop your cable around from the front of the boat to the back and then hold it hold it tight while you turn the the bolt in to uh to fasten it down but once it's there dude it's there forever there's never going to be any slack in that cable nothing's that like the the summer sun is not going to heat this thing up and then loosen it it's there it's set so, Wilkie showed me that. So, let me give it a rundown. Cable clamp, right? One-inch cable clamp going up to the hammer arm, anvil, what have you. Uh, The old-style lever arm bolted onto your regular hammy. And he, w- he had this all set up on an old hammy. I got mine set up on the Trinity. I like the, uh, I got like some, it's like Cerakoted, like, desert tan or something and i'm such a sucker for those for those colors (laughs) i was shooting the the od green bow long before it was popular um and now the the desert tan is kind of like the cool thing but i saw prime was doing it so i'm kind of soft on it now but we'll see um i like the trinity because it has a little arrow holder and then i'm running a g-flex blade but wait wait that's not all of it um so, Wilkie also runs his blade so that... I think he's just running a best blade on his. I'm running the G-Flex composite blade that's supposed to be like a number 10 blade. It's not, but it's supposed to be. Um, I don't think it matters if you're getting no vein contact. But what Wilkie does is he has it set so it's at a very slight angle. Let's just say 10 degrees. That's at rest. It's 10 degrees up, like angled up at rest. And then at full jaw, it's at 35 degrees, where your blade would be if you shot a blade rest. And then after he shoots, it goes down to that 10 degrees again. So your blade, his blade is moving a very small, like, doot-doot. It's like 10 to 35 back to 10, if that makes sense. It's very small. It's not doing this, like, it's not flat, and then it's going all the way up to 90, and then shooting back flat again. It's just doing a very slight motion. Um. I think the, that that drop-away is going to move the same speed regardless of how much it has to move. But if it just has to move less now. So, you know, do with that information what you will. I also have copied Wilkie and set my G-Flex blade up to be that exact same way. Slight angle up, full draw is going to be where it would be if it was a blade, and then when it's down, it's back to that small thing. To do that, you need to source an 832 bolt. I believe an 832. I, is it a 1024? I think it's an 832. That is a little bit longer and that will go into the uh, the bolt hole closest to you on your wrist. If, if your bow is facing away from you and you have those two little pitch adjustment screws on the bottom side of your hammy, the bolt that's closest to you, you're going to have to put, I think it's a longer bolt in there to... To limit the up of the, because uh, I think the one closest to you limits the how far up it goes. So if you have a longer bolt, it'll stop it at like the thirty-five degree spot. And you can you know you get a longer bolt, through little washers on, spaces, what have you, do whatever you need to. Um, but that's how I run it. I run it a la Wilkie style. Uh, I really like it, and I'm excited to try it for outdoors once outdoor, uh, you know, comes around. But until then. Uh, I'm going to focus on indoor as you guys should as well. I know it's a really fun time to you know if, if if you're outdoor I like to look forward to indoor if you're indoor you look forward to outdoor but we still have two more months left people. So or effectively one month now. So keep your eyes on the prize. State Indoor is coming up this weekend. At least California state indoor the c b h championship's coming up this weekend for indoor, so I want to see everyone put their best foot out there, best foot forward um and stay focused. We still got stuff to shoot. it's no time to relax right now. Um, if you're not practicing for any events, then just be practicing for Vegas, <laughs> like you know it's time. don't waste it. <sighs> Don't waste it like I'm wasting it this morning, talking. <laughs> should, should be practicing. Um, this episode, guys, is brought to you by DB Custom Coatings. My friends, Darren and Bette in Napa, they be Sarah Cotin. and that's their jam. They do some sick American flag stuff. I'm very much tempted to get an American flag put on my bow, but I don't know. I kind of want to do something different. Ah. I'm gonna do it. You guys are gonna see it after, um, after Vegas. I'm just so nitpicky about getting the bow set up. Like one little thing changes, and then I'm like, no, it's gone. So I don't want to change what I got going because this bow is very, very awesome. Or at least it's shooting awesome at the moment. But DB Custom Coatings, you guys send them your riser. I think they I mean, I think Darren will do uh, cams also. I think. Don't quote me on this. I think Darren has a special kind of Cerakote that he can do limbs as well. Um, But yeah, don't quote me on that. You'd have to ask him. But yeah, uh, get your shit Cerakoted. It's tougher than whatever powder coat paint anodizing crap they put on the bows now. I think most bows are powder coated now. Does it seem like that? You rarely find an anodized bow. Hoyt might still anodize a bow. Oh, PSE definitely anodizes their bow still. Yeah, okay. I'm actually just talking shit now, um, <coughs> carbon craft stabilizers, guys, I tried the Beastinger Microhex micro hex because as a gold tip shill, I feel the need to fly the flag as proudly as I can. Um, with that being said, <laughs> the carbon craft stabilizer is better. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. I love you all. Thank you guys for all the props and nice things. Uh, again, you guys can message me angry, hateful stuff. I don't mind. I welcome it. And it doesn't all have to be from Rudy Sandoval, you know, it can be from somebody else, too. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm going to get back to practicing and uh, hopefully have some more cool stuff for you guys to listen to. Bye.